Good morning. I am, we are so thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to be part of Claremont. Uh, I said the first thing on my list on Tuesday is get a library card because now we have an address. And um, Anyway, we, we are, uh, it's, it's pretty fun how when you are, you know, you do that trust thing where you fall back. And uh, my daughter was telling me that she, she does that occasionally when she's around people. She just starts leaning over and sees if anyone is her real friend. <laughs> but that's what we do all the time, Steve and I. We, we lean back and God catches us. And we're really excited about, um, about serving and loving and, and connecting with you guys. Well, I wanted to introduce Steve. Um, Steve, Steve wanted me to mention that, uh, you know, he's an acquired taste, like yogurt, you know, it's good for you. And, and I, I kind of say it's like cayenne pepper, you know, it just like sprinkles out and some of it gets on you. And, and, uh, and the way Steve speaks is unique. He, he puts out a lot and you think, All right, is he, where is he going with that? And then, and then, but the main thing is that God, uh, that the Holy Spirit speaks through Steve and will put a deposit in your heart. And you don't know what, it, what one thing or, you know, that you're going to walk away with or multiple things. But God is going to put something in your heart when he speaks. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I love when it says God does not look at the outside, you know, especially as we get older. <laughs> God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And, you know, I am living proof that God will use the foolish to compound the wise. And so, anyway, I just want to say that that uh, you're going you're gonna to get treats that might hit you later, they might, you know, hit home as you're driving home or this week, but God will speak to you, and, I, and this is what we pray also, is that what God wants to deposit in your heart, what's that one thing, you know, that God brought you here for today? Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Well, good morning. <coughs> Very good. Super. Hey, is there a Chipotle around here? I need to ask that. I, I, I told one of the guys that I'd take him to Chipotle, and I, I think he's here. So, um, again, I said last time, a, a burrito as big as your head, and I told him, I, I got it, Jenny, so. But I, um, I'm a drinker of water and a uh, sprayer of spray, so I need to do that as we're talking. But, uh, hey, uh, anybody kind of get tired of uh, hearing about the bucket list? around people. I, I kind of burned out on hearing people talk about that. I'm actually hearing 20-somethings talk about their bucket list. And I'm going, that's macabre. I mean, my word. I, what, are you going to die when you're 30 or something? What's that all about? But, um, so I have together my anti-bucket list on my, my uh, Steve Shugren. Um, I call it the Making the Dangerous Doable blog site. And so let me just share with you a few of my anti-bucket lists. In other words, I intend to never do this. Uh, one of them is, uh, let's see here, my word, where did I put it? Oh, okay, here it is. <clears throat> my anti-bucket list. Uh, one of them is shave my head bald. Uh, you know, uh, uh, some things, they're, they're considered uh, deprecating with uh, ethnic groups. They, they don't really talk about Swedish people and their ethnic group. You know, if you pick on them, it's like, well, they deserve it, you know. So you can say that in public and nobody... You know, they, they never really complain, but uh, uh, Swedish people are called, uh, uh, what do they call them, Janie? Uh, Squareheads. Squareheads. Yeah, squareheads. There's a reason for that. They, if you shave my head, there are actually points, you know, on the sides of them, more rectangular than square. But, uh, uh, you know, here's the picture, Frankenstein with a shaved head, you know, uh, missing the bolts on the neck. It would look absolutely scary. You know, here's another one. I will not ever own a bird. Um, so, been there, uh, not good. Uh, run for political office. Um, if you decide to do that, you'll thank me later. You don't do it. Uh, parachute. Okay. Uh, bungee jump. That would be kind of crazy because uh, I can, you know, have difficulty walking. And uh, it, where we live uh, is, uh, you know, uh, several flights of stairs and uh, I can barely make it up the stairs with my leg problems. The problem with my legs, by the way, is I have lost the uh, ability to use my uh, quadriceps. If you saw me in a bathing suit, you'd kind of go, ooh, you know. And so, uh, 
you know, I have a kind of a, a non-quadricep you know, through here and then a semi-quadricep over here. And so I, the reason I have a, a, a cane, by the way, I have my high-tech cane here. It's a Lecky and so forth, and you can come up. I have a whole closet full of canes, and people will give me one, including a sword cane, which uh, you don't want to go on a plane at the airport with that one. They'll stop you for sure. Uh, and somebody offered to get me one that shoots a 22. Uh, you pull it out, and, <laughs> you know, just in case. And uh, so uh, I, I have a whole, you know, bunch of canes. Uh, and so every time I move, a couple disappear. I don't know where they went to. But uh, so um, anyway, but I, I carry one because I, I get uh, tipsy. And you never can tell when I, because some people walk up and they say, where, why did you walk up without a cane? It's because I don't always need one. But I have a uh, sudden onset of uh, tipsyism. What do you call that, Janie? The Vertigo, yeah. And if I need it, I, 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 it's kind of dumb to not have it nearby. So, um, so anyway. And then, then lastly, something I will uh, hopefully never do again is stop talking and modeling uh, criticism. Uh, because I have been criticized to, uh, to death on occasion. And that's easier said than done, this idea of uh, stop talking and, and criticizing. I, I have had people uh, try to, to help me quote-unquote, over the years uh, to kind of get uh, balance. Anybody ever hear people criticize you of being imbalanced? You know, when you, when you look at it in slow motion, uh, we really don't do anything in a balanced way. It's absurd to talk about balance. Uh, I, I think, well, put it this way, I, I think we're talking theology balance. Uh, that's okay. That's a, a fine use of the word. But in terms of our gifting, in terms of our calling, in terms of our anointing, uh, we just want to drop that word balance because all that it is is it's belittling the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It really is. Because anybody who is touched, that means all of us in this room by the power of the Spirit. If you are an already believer versus a not yet believer, there's two categories. An already believer, a not yet believer, all those are hyphenated words. Then you already have a ministry, a calling, something resting upon your life, and it is imbalanced. Let's face it. And I've had so many people tell me I'm imbalanced, and I just got to the point now where I say, thank you very much, and I smile, and I offer to buy them a cup of coffee or a burrito, whatever. And so if you, if you look, there's so many things in life that are unique to all of us. We all have kind of a unique stride, but if you do it in slow motion, it's kind of interesting to watch a, a stride. Uh, just about the time you think they're about to fall over this direction, the, the other foot picks up. And then you, they're about to fall over here, the other foot picks up. And we've learned to walk that way when we're little babies, and it feels antithetical. You know, why would I do that? I'm about to fall, shink, about to fall, shink. And so uh, in all of our lives, because we have something resting upon us that is unique, that is a specific calling, one in a four whatever you know, billion people on planet Earth, there's only one of you. And to that, Janie would say, thank you, Jesus. There's only one of Steve. You know, uh, you don't have a doppelganger. That's a, a myth. There's only one of, of Larry. I, I'm going to start calling him Uncle Larry. What do you think of that? You can call me uh, Nephew Steve if you want to, whatever. You can just get to know me a little better. And then uh, Cousin Josh. <laughs> what was the, the show uh, where they would say, good night? Uh, what was the, the Waltons? They would say, good night, this and that. Or, you know, we, pardon me? You're not John Boy, you know, then, you know, whatever. Okay, that, that show I missed quite a bit. But anyway, that one part, they, I had a whole era where I didn't watch any TV, and I repented of that, and I watch quite a bit now. So uh, <laughs> I'm making up for lost time, but, uh, uh, but I, I missed that whole era of, uh, of TV during that time. But here, here's the whole thing. I, I had the, the stuffings kicked out of me in the name of people trying to help me because I've been imbalanced. I've talked way too much about the kindness of God that leads to a radical life change, Romans 2, 4. And I've had two people, two pastors that meant well come up to me in the last, probably about the last 90 days and say this to me, are you still talking about the kindness of God stuff? And, uh, you know, are you still, maintain? that's been a long time. And, and they both said this, we tried that kindness stuff and it didn't work very well, so we moved on. <laughs> Think about that for a second. It's right up there with saying, we tried that love stuff, but it didn't work very well, so we've moved on. What, what are you into now? Like hatred and uh, bigotry? I mean, what, you know, we, we've really moved on. I mean, there's something better than that. We, you know, we read a book and it was, you know, put out by the Ku Klux Klan. I don't remember who exactly, but, you know, 
Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we tried that kindness stuff, and it didn't, I'm, I'm serious. One guy, it was in the Southern California area, he said, we tried the kindness stuff, it just didn't work. And I'm kind of going, uh, if you could hear yourself saying that, you would, it, it's really kind of funny almost. We tried that kindness stuff, and it didn't work. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, there's a couple of phrases in Spanish I know. That one would be loco y la cabeza, you know. Uh, uh, there was a song called the Cypress Hill, which none of you have heard of. They say, insane in the membrane, insane in the membrane throughout the whole song. And I'm, I'm kind of going, you are, uh, you know, uh, you know. The, the neighbor of, uh, of the Simpsons, who is a uh, kind of a strange Christian, says, uh, ding daddly doodle. That's his favorite cuss word. And so uh, I would say to that, ding daddly doodle. And so what we want to talk about today is this whole idea that kind of leads into this idea of uh, this, this thing of uh, uh, getting into the, the, the uh, I, I would say, the, the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And it's getting into this whole talk today, and I'm going to try to keep it down to a, a bare minimum because you have a lot of uh, resting from your labors today, which means you're going to go out and have big fun. And uh, in the words of Chevy Chase, when they're on their way to Wally World, and he stops and he turns over to the kids that are complaining and says, we're about to have big fun. If you're not having big fun, we're going to stop and give everybody a spanking. And so <laughs> we're going to have big fun today and not necessarily going to Wally World, uh, but we're going we're gonna to have fun. And I'm going to keep it to a bare minimum. I'm not really preaching today. I'm sharing from my heart. Okay, can we agree to that? And someday I'll, I'll preach, which means I'm going to spit so hard it'll go to the front row. And I'll, I'll really spray that stuff in my mouth. And, you know, and so um, I might get off the stage even and walk around a little bit and limp around, what have you. But uh, so I want to talk a little bit my, about the, the pretty good church. Uh, and, and I think it kind of leads into that, that last line about the, the kindness, et cetera, et cetera, and the marks of a pretty good church. I'm going to give you three marks based on John chapter 3. That's a chapter where we've, of course, heard the, uh, the, the, the line that is so uh, common that it comes out of... Uh, you know, of course, John 3.16, we, we can all say it by heart, can't we? It's a lot of people who don't know Jesus even have you know, memorized that line. We'll say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, it's, it's perhaps the most uh, memorized verse. Uh, you know, Psalm 23 would be, the most familiar psalm. No, most people don't know it word for word. But there's another verse that I find really interesting as Jesus is having this nighttime conversation with Nicodemus where he gets into this whole idea of... Uh, I lost my, my place here on my little iPad. And uh, he, he gets into this whole conversation with Nicodemus. And verse 8, let me just read it to you, and I'm going to kind of refer to that in my whole brief talk here today. He says to Nicodemus kind of in, in context. What, what I want to suggest to you, and I'll, I'll back it up with some, some thinking and, and points here. I'm going to give you three points, boom, 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 and we'll be out of here. He says in verse 8, that really, that there are two kinds of churches. There are the religious churches that the Pharisees stood for that were the control churches that do not work, the kinds of churches that the watching world, as Francis Schaeffer called them, the kinds that, uh, that are rejected, the kinds of churches that are loco y la cabeza, insane in the membrane, that uh, are the churches that the people who watch from the outside and say they are full of uh, impossible, uh, you know, uh, to reach, to relate to kinds of churches. And they are the churches that are the pretty good churches that anybody can be a part of. And Jesus is saying, those are the kinds of churches that people yield their lives to, that are, that are transparent, etc. The Pharisee churches, the Jesus churches. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Don't you love that verse? Let me read it again. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me kind of paraphrase that. You can't control God. <laughs> as much as they tried to, the Pharisees kind of said this, everything about God can be controlled and manipulated. And what they did is we hear Jesus talk about, he summarizes, you tithe, mint, and rue. You wash your 
hands up to the elbows, but you can't even see the practical parts of what it is to, to, to be in relationship with God. You know, you, you overlook the, the practical things. The, you know, and, and the, the, um, there's a little parable that Jesus gives about the, uh, the Good Samaritan. He says the first two guys came along, and they were so busy with their religion business that they didn't even stop to see that the poor guy beaten half dead. And uh, then the, the other guy, the Samaritan, who's the reject, who was walking in the, 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 the move of the Spirit, he was the, the pretty good Christian. I might come back and do a whole thing, hopefully, if uh, Uncle Larry lets me. Um, do this thing on the pretty good, the pretty good, the pretty good. You know, we could do a whole thing on the pretty good parent. What do you think of that? The pretty good family, the pretty good Christian, the pretty good employee. Uh, you, know, it, you know, there could be a whole series here. But the, the pretty good, uh, I, I think the pretty good believer he sees the one guy, he slowed down enough, not that he wasn't busy doing his trade, but he slowed down enough to notice what was going on there. And he let the wind blow where it wishes. He allowed the, the Spirit to speak to him. He slowed down, and he picked up on the wind of the Spirit to speak to him. And he, uh, he helped the guy. He, he lost a lot of money. I like to say it like this. Where in the world did we get the idea that the kingdom of God would be inexpensive? That's the thought for you. Where, you know, where do we get that idea? It's, it is expensive. You, you guys understand that idea. You give amazing amounts of money. You give amazing percentages of money here to give away. You lose a lot of money around here, don't you? It's not a very efficient system you have around here if you really get down to it. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> uh, you know, when you get into it and you, you talk about it a little bit, uh, you know, I, I don't know what kind of a leadership structure you have around here, not just Larry and Josh, but your other leaders. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, uh, there's a word in business called the ROI, return on investment. When you look at it like that, it doesn't make a lick of sense around here because you're, you know, you're, you're giving to children. I mean, how much can those children tie back to the thing here? I mean, what do they give, bubble gum and jacks? I mean, you know, little paddle boards, you know. Uh, I mean, the only person that can be happy about that is Jesus. Go figure. I mean... <laughs> Duh, just Jesus. <laughs> okay. Uh, like Jenny says, on the way home, you'll get it. But, uh, you know, the Pharisee approach versus the, the Jesus approach, the control approach to God, where Jesus says, you know, it's kind of like the wind of the trees and the leaves. And, you know, that, it's kind of hard to control that. You know, you know <laughs> go control that, Jesus says. And he's kind of going, you know, I don't get it. Well, of course you don't get it unless the Spirit, you know, speaks to you. It's the same thing with John 3.16. You can read that and read it and read it and memorize it, but until revelation hits you, until the Spirit touches you, the words will not jump off the page and smack you in the face. You know, you know how it works. You can read that over and over again until it smacks you in the face. You will not get it. My friend George Hunter, you perhaps don't know who he is. He's an interesting guy. He and I, uh, he's a, a Ph.D., guy teaches at Asbury Seminary. We've gotten to know each other fairly well. He is intrigued by the stuff that I have done over the years, and I spoke in his classroom and seminary at uh, Asbury numbers of times. He and I have kind of put our heads together. Uh, in the mid-70s, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the early 70s, there was some uh, significant scientific, well, scientific is the right word, but, uh, uh, you know, really some work done that, that could be, uh, you can hang your hat on of how many um, specific um, revelatory events does it take for a person to come to know Jesus. And uh, this, this guy that did it said that it takes between uh, about five and, and seven revelatory events. And a, a revelatory event could be something as simple as a, a bumper sticker, could be something as sovereign as, uh, with me, I, I, you want to hear a funny one with me? It was about five things for me. It was being at a Doobie Brothers concert where I saw my first streaker, 1974, that was an event. <laughs> it was uh, at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. There was probably 20,000 people there, and, and it was a daytime concert. People are there, and I saw and I saw these people moving away. I thought, what is that? And the streakers, you know, and I got, oh, there's a streaker. Remember that whole time? It, it was, some of you weren't born yet, but anyway, I was. But, uh, and, uh, and so they, they didn't get arrested. It was a They sang this song, Jesus is Just All Right With Me which is, uh, I didn't know this until recently. They didn't make that song up. It was somebody in the uh, late 60s that wrote the song. And it was a, uh, a black jazz or 
kind of wasn't really a rock guy, but uh, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, they sing a song, and I felt electricity go through me, like up and down and up and down and up and down. I was with three friends from high school, and I said, Do you, did you feel electricity right there? I didn't want to sound too uncool. They said, uh, no, what are you talking about? And I said, uh, never mind. And it was like, that was number three, and then number four happened, and number five happened, came to the Lord. And that was in the mid-70s. I had, I had two cousins come to the Lord. I'm sorry, they went to Vietnam. They were killed. Vietnam was a big deal. That's part of the reason that people took fewer connections to come to the Lord. Between, and now in the 21st century, uh, people are further in orbiting away from any kind of biblical basis. And uh, George Hunter and I have come up with this conclusion based on uh, numbers of things. It takes between 12 and 20 revelatory events to come to Christ. That's why you and I need to go out there and mix it up with people in Pomona and Claremont and da-da-da-da. You with me? Do direct connections. Uh, here's an idea I've got. Go to stores around here, give away bags of microwave popcorn, and say, you know, this is to show you God's love in a practical way. Now, I don't need microwave popcorn, but here's what we say. But this is Christian microwave popcorn. You don't have any of that, do you? Well, come to think of it, I don't, you know? So they get a double bang, by the way. They get the popcorn, give it to them. Then when they pop it watching a movie, they think, this is the microwave popcorn that Christians gave me. I kind of like that, don't you? Ba-boom. It's an echo. Ba-boom. Bada-bing. I kind of like that, don't you? And another one, I don't know if it'd work in, it would work in uh, um, Claremont. That's where I live. Um, but it might work in Pomona. We might need to get some Pomona people in here. What do you think of that? Will we let them come in here? You card them at the door, Pomona. Forget it. You're from Pomona. You're, that's the P word, you know. You can drop your kids off, but not you. I mean, we don't have Pomona people in here. But we go over there maybe with hamburgers. We rake, we bake, we bake, we, we broil hamburgers out here, wrap them in Wendy's wrappers because Wendy's likes, the, likes the, uh, the free advertising. We take igloo coolers. I like it when they make a squeaking sound because they can hear us coming. And they're going out there, they're... Honey, I think there's some igloo cooler people out there. We knock on the door, knock, 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 because Pomona people would be open to this. We say, uh, we don't say, would you like hamburgers? We say, how many would you like? And they say, how many, what would I like? Burgers, we made them just for you. And we get these interesting responses. You know, uh, one guy that we went to recently, in Oregon, we were up there, said, I don't remember ordering any hamburgers. Like there's a 1-800-HAMBURGER number or hamburgers.com, you know. And, uh, and then we say, may we pray for you? My line actually is, uh, how about if we pray for you for 10 seconds? A little 10-second prayer. And uh, one guy we did that to uh, said, uh, you know, what could we pray for you about? And the guy said, um, uh, you know what? I just found out on Friday I have terminal liver cancer. And I have about six weeks to live. And uh, I, it wasn't me that prayed the, with this guy, but the, my friends who did it said, uh, what's going to happen when you die? And he goes, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. And, and they said, really, why is that? And he said, because I've been a good person. <laughs> and they go, uh, really? And he goes, well, actually, I've been about a 50-50 good and bad. And he's actually talking to himself out loud. And he goes, actually, more bad than good. And then he goes to himself, he goes, actually, a lot more bad than good. <laughs> he just had this conversation out loud. And they said, you know, you can know for sure you're going to go to heaven. He goes, really? How's that? <laughs> it was like your, you know, fantastic, you know, the whole thing. They, they, he came to Christ, and about two weeks later, he gets baptized, and he died less than six weeks later. That's a bittersweet story, isn't it? That's kind of cool. You know, you don't get that just by, I, I know that Granite Creek is doing an amazing, amazing, amazing amount of stuff. But maybe we had to experiment a little bit. I, I don't know. It could be kind of fun going and knocking on doors. And, you know, it's kind of scary. I, I, th if you said that two years ago, I would say there is no way in God's green earth that I would ever knock on a door to give away hamburgers. But, you know, what the heck? Let's try it. And if you want to come along with me, we'll have 80 people behind me. And we'll all... <laughs> <laughs> and 80 more behind Janie. <laughs> Watch carefully. <laughs> Oh, boy. There we go. But uh, the Pharisee approach is attempting control of God, and the pretty good church is the one that's, that's uh, actually 
relaxed, that's taking it easy, that's going ahead and, you know, letting, letting Jesus have his way and uh, so on and so forth. So the first point is to, to absolutely be a person who is uh, letting God be in charge, uh, stopping trying to control God, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the second uh, approach is, uh, uh, the, the, I'd say the observation is that uh, the, the, the pretty good church is I very, very often uh, un- unpredictable, the kind of church that you never know what's going to happen next. And I've been doing this stuff of, of church planting and, and church uh, coaching and uh, church, uh, you know, everything I can do to help churches. And I've seen this, is that you, you wish that church would go like this, uh, you know, like a, uh, what, what does that call the math? A, whatever it is, you know, a slope, some word for that. And, um, but it doesn't work that way. It goes like this, like stair steps. And there's something major happening going, it goes like this. And then it levels off and it goes like this. And then it tends to go down like this too. Because there are seasons of the Spirit there are seasons of growth. There are seasons of reduction. And uh, I, I like to say sometimes that I, I, um, I, I've grown it down. There were, you know, something going on just that are beyond our control, that are, that are things that, that happen. And I, I know for sure that there are seasons that, that happen that are beyond our capacity to, to know, to plan for, and so forth. And, and it, that's why I, I like to say that when the Spirit is at work, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to, uh, to plan fully, we can, I, I think, even to budget fully because he's doing something that is so sovereign that it's, uh, it's very difficult to predict what he's about to do, what he is up to. And I think that when, when Jesus is at work and we're doing some very cool things, he's always at work, of course, but when he's doing some, some very surprising things, we, we kind of just have to follow along. It's like surfing or whatever you want to do, boogie boarding, uh, et cetera, over in you know, Santa Monica or Venice Beach or what have you. You know, a guy that I know, I wrote a, a book. It's not a real long book, and it's a, it's a good book, but I love the title even better than the book. It goes like this. Uh, uh, what's, how's it go? Growth by Accident, Death by Committee. What do you think of that title? Growth by Accident, Death by Committee. I know so many people that have started churches that just, you know, it's just kind of a weird set of circumstances. They grew, they became large. Da, da, da. And when you look at it, many times churches have grown large, and, and Larry could attest to this, mainly because of odd things like facility locations. Isn't that right, Larry? I mean, right team, right place, they're in the corner, da, da, da. And, and it was something like that. And uh, I have a, a friend that I've helped start a, a church with in Cincinnati, and he happened to be at a place, at the right, right time, right place, in a part of town that was experiencing growth, and it grew large. And, and I told him at the time, I said, this is what's going to happen, blah, 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 and it did. And this guy has made the fatal error of thinking it's because he's so smart, because he's such an anointed speaker. And I, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me, said, to go talk to him and say, look, if you don't, uh, back up and begin to think rightly, this thing's going to blow up. And it hasn't blown up yet, but I can, I said to him, make no mistake about it. I, I don't, maybe I'm not prophetic, but I'm just telling you, maybe partly prophetically, partly, partly by observation, that you're going to wish that you had not been more humble in doing this. Because uh, this is a line that a, a Swedish prophetic guy, he used to live in, he had, he had a whole missions movement. He was in Pasadena for a long time. He said, things have a tendency to go, to, to burn well, how do you put it? Uh, fire has a tendency to grow cold. Fire has a tendency to grow cold. And, and I think that's true, and you can reignite it and so forth. But, but I, I think this friend of mine is um, a little bit uh, uh, overstating how important that he has been and understating how absolutely vital the, the, the fire of the Spirit is. And this guy keeps on building bigger and bigger and bigger multi-sites and buildings and so forth. I said, what are you going to do when something drastic happens? And I can guarantee you, as they say in Kansas, they say guarantee. <laughs> okay, I kind of like that. I can guarantee you that something is going to happen. Either you're going to die or something horrible in the, uh, the sin range is going to happen. It, it is positively, absolutely guaranteed going to happen that something's going to happen. What are you going to do then with these buildings that are costing umpteen millions a year? To per- you know, I, my word, I, it scares the heebie-jeebies out of me to think about it. And so uh, it is, uh, 
I, I think often unpredictable what happens when the Spirit is at work and uh, the, the pretty good church is, is happening. And, uh, and I think it's true for the, the other kinds of church as well. But, but I, see, I think that the Pharisees, the Pharisee church, thinks that they can control everything. That's the sad part. And so we come along, we say, God, I want to be involved in the unpredictable church. And I, I humble myself and I say, God, have at it. I say, God, have at it. I want to be involved in your church, the thing that you are up to. And instead of trying to control the wind that is blowing, Lord, I say, Lord, have your way with me. Have your way with us. Do you, do you like that? Can you pray that kind of a prayer? Can you, can you flow with that kind of thing? Thanks for the one person shaking their head. I appreciate that. <laughs> I know it's Labor Day weekend, and you're, you smell like uh, suntan lotion already, and, you know, you're saying... Oh, right already. Get done, you know. So lastly, the pretty good church is risky, is risky. The pretty good church bites off more than it can chew regularly. And, and I'm preaching to the choir. I realize that. But uh, I, I would say that we, instead of saying you, I, I'm already using the personal pronoun. Do you like that? Yeah. We. Okay. We need to keep on keeping on biting off more than we can chew. And I think that People that come here that are kind of new to the stomping grounds of Granite Creek might get a little ticked off pretty quickly. What in the heckity heck heck are you guys doing? You, you don't really slow down to really let things just uh, simmer a little bit. You keep on biting off more than you can chew. I mean, how in the world do you justify these words like that? And they're using that ROI language, return on investment. And I'm going... Let me translate that. We're not balanced. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And I'm saying, see this right here? See this over here? Kaboom. You know, it's the right hook, it's called. You know, and uh, watch the birdie. You're going to see a lot of birdies here in a second. And uh, you see, that's not the way that it works. And I, I love this. Uh, risk is a, is a natural thing for those who are involved in the kingdom. We're letting Jesus be in charge. You know, I, I kind of get, sometimes I, I use words like we're, we're asked, what, what is Jesus saying? Sometimes I, I will say that I know that maybe theologically that's not exactly right, but you'll hear me say that. What's making Jesus happy? What is Jesus up to? We're going to talk to Jesus. And I, I kind of like that. I hope you can be patient with me. And I know some people are saying, oh, you're really praying to Jesus? I'm going, well, be patient. You know, I like to personalize my prayers instead of just saying God, you know. And I, you know, Jesus is God. Have you read that part of the Bible? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And, uh, you know, and, and I, so you don't need to correct me. I understand. I just, just kind of smile and go, well, that's Steve, you know. But I, you know, what's going to make Jesus happy here? Uh, I, I think that he, he says that the wind blows where it wishes. So we need to take the risk of biting off more than we can chew and letting, you know, Jesus be happy. Look at this picture here. This is a guy that I, throughout church history, that I have, Learned to appreciate tremendously G.K. Chesterton. Uh, some of you might know of him. He was a guy that actually influenced C.S. Lewis, who, you know, he's one of the great, you know, heroes of the 20th century. And I, uh, I like to say Lewis was more of a, of a popular writer than he was a theologian. When we make Lewis a, a theologian, we're making, I think, a little bit of a mistake. And uh, not to knock Lewis whatsoever, don't send me a letter, send it in care of Uncle Larry. Uh, at Mac.com. That's his email address, actually. And, uh, but Chesterton was a, an amazing guy. He was an interesting guy. He, he was unkempt. He would often show up at, uh, at uh, lectures and uh, debates. Uh, he, he was an interesting guy. He debated atheists on a regular basis in London. He was uh, there. He was very popular during World War I debated atheists, like I said. He would uh, often have a mustache that was longer on this side than the other, and he didn't even notice it. He would button his buttons, and it would be like this, one off kind of thing. That was, un that was very common. Um, he was married, uh, but he, he would often uh, get out in public. He was kind of like Benjamin Franklin, where he'd be caught up in his thoughts. He would get on the wrong crane, get off the wrong exit, and then he would send a telegram to his wife. It was common and say, uh, where am I supposed to be right now? And she would telegram back and say, home. And uh, that was a common thing would happen. So he had this great line. I, I really like this line. Um, would you put the line on there? Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. What do you think of that line? Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. I, I, I really think that's great. And, and so risk uh, very often bites off more than it can chew. 
I, you know, this is, I think this is what Jesus would say to us. Don't, don't let, you know, I think human nature, human reckoning, human, uh, I, I think, uh, philosophy take over. Let Scripture be the bigger thing. You know, the wind blows where it wishes. You can't control it. Take a risk. Go ahead and step out and do something. I talk about the 10-second prayer. Uh, I'm going to mention it a couple times right here as we close out. Relax. Let the spirit move. Take a risk. It all kind of goes together. You know, the gears here sort of thing. You're not going to be able to really do this thing in, in the power of the spirit unless you are willing to do something badly. Does that make sense to anybody here? You know, it's not about perfection. It's the opposite of perfection. God is perfect, but you and I aren't. But you and I aren't. As God sees us, that he sees us as perfect, perfect with that spot or wrinkle. As we see each other in the spiritual realm, we are perfect. We aren't being critical of each other. But as the world sees us, uh, we, we ought not ever to come across as though we're perfect. We are the people who are, uh, uh, you know, very real, very commonly making mistakes, the people who are, uh, you know, very regularly, just very, very honest, very candid, very transparent. We aren't the people that are coming across as that we are, you know, full of uh, perfection. That's the thing that draws people, that keeps them away from church. Anybody seen Under the Dome? This, this, you don't need to raise your hand because then you'll say, I watch TV. No, no, Under the Dome, I've watched every episode. I love it. It's a Stephen King uh, deal going on. And uh, one of the funny characters this week is uh, the one who keeps on adding to the cliche of the media. It's this pastor guy. He's gone by now. I think he's been killed off. But he's the guy who is involved in making methamphetamine to sell. And he's taking the, the funds from it and, and paying for a, an outreach to children in Haiti. <laughs> it's hilarious. An Elmer Gantry kind of a story, you know. That's another character in old movies. But, uh, you know, he's, he's making big bucks to raise money to give to children in, in Haiti, making methamphetamines. <laughs> it's like, you know, again, it's this picture of they are so hypocritical. You know, of course we're hypocritical. We are constantly hypocritical. If you haven't done something hypocritical today already, you will certainly, absolutely, whether you notice it or not, do something hypocritical in the Christian life as you leave here. Now, I don't know what it'll be, but, you know, just turn on, notice it, you will, you will do that. And so if we, we try to hide it from the watching world, we will, we will just be, we're just deceiving ourselves. So I don't have a fish on my, my, uh, my bumper. There's no bumper stickers in my car. Uh, I, I will never put a bumper sticker. That's another one of my bucket list things, <laughs> you know. And uh, so take a risk. Be, be one who's doing it badly. Be one who's doing it badly. Uh, realizes that we are called to, to be transparent, to be people who are moving, uh, relaxing, and, and just being transparent as much as we can. How do we risk realistically? I'm going to, some of this is not maybe quite gelling real well, but I'm just going to say it real quickly here at the end. I hope it all kind of comes together. Again, I'm not so much preaching as I am sharing from my heart. But last thing we can do is, how do we do that as we get into Labor Day weekend? Just a, a simple idea is just relax. Relax. Let the Spirit move through you. Don't try to be the perfect Christian because the perfection that we aspire to in the eyes of the world is, is hocus-pocus. It's goofy. It's a thing that never will happen. It's the, the fakeness that will drive people away from relationship with Jesus. Is this making sense to you guys? It's that fakery. It's that, that priest who's making methamphetamines and raising money for the children in Haiti. It's crazy. Only Stephen King can come up with something like that. And so what we do is we're transparent. You know, we, we, we're, we're following the line of uh, good old uh, Dwight Moody. He had a guy come to him in the uh, late 1800s that said, uh, you know, I would become a Christian if it wasn't for all the hypocrites. And he says, there's always room for one more, you know. And uh, Mahatma Gandhi had this great line. He said, I would become a Christian if I could just meet one. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a very unfair line, Gandhi. And I would say, there will never be one you will meet. There's only been one Christian who has ever lived, and that was the original Christian Jesus. You will never, ever, ever meet a Christian. You know, that's a very unfair slap to the face. You have obviously never read the New Testament, Gandhi, you know. I would become a Hindu if I could just meet one, too. How's that for a line back in your face? You know, Gandhi Shmandi, you know. So we've all heard that. Have you read that line before? I would become a Christian if I could just meet one. 
Well, you've obviously not read the New Testament very carefully because it was, it's super clear is that we will never, ever, one person be able to behave that good. It's all about being loved as hypocrites, even the very best of them. Paul at the top of the list, you know, it, you know he makes it very clear. So what do we do? How do we relax? Let me give you a real quick. We'll just say it real quick because we're running out of time. I don't know if you knew this, but there's actually a trap door underneath here. It goes down <laughs> to a bunch of piranha. And I can, I got just a couple of minutes where it opens up. And uh, Uncle Larry, he, he doesn't have a button, but it is timed. And there's a, there's a clock right there, and I have about three minutes left until uh, 12, 19. Uh, ooh, wow. And it, it just actually, I'm going to stand over here because I don't want to take a risk of falling into the piranha tank. I, it's, uh, you don't want to come up here. It, it really, okay, it smells like fish, actually. You can smell. But uh, here's, what, here's, the, here's the line we got to remember. Uh, take it easy. I, I, I speak conversational Norwegian. I, when I write it, I make mistakes, but I can speak it. And I actually speak with a, uh, uh, two versions of it, the, the Oslo version and then the northern Norwegian version. Northern Norwegian is kind of the Oklahoma or Texas version of Norwegian. When I speak it, they crack up in Oslo. They go, you are hilarious. It's kind of like, hey, y'all, how you doing? We all's coming down there, and we all's going to have a party, you know? And they say, I can't believe, I have never in my life heard an American speak with that twang. <laughs> they crack up, they start slapping their legs and everything. Where did you learn? I said, I lived up there for a while. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hilarious. But I can also speak the more proper version of it in Oslo because we lived there for a while. So, <laughs> but they have this word in Norwegian that uh, has to do with uh, take it easy. And I think it's one of the most hilarious clear words. If you speak another language, sometimes you can more clearly translate a, a word. What the word they use is schlop av. Schlop av. Let's say it together. Schlop av. And you know what that word means? It, it, it more literally means uh, turn off. Turn off. Uh, another way to put it would be, uh, Janie, where are you, Janie? It would mean to, to dis, uh, disconnect. To disconnect. Turn off the switch. Turn off the switch. Schlop av. Stop, stop trying. Okay, stop trying. And, uh, you know, and uh, uh, in, in fact, why don't you turn to the next person to you and say, Betty, I don't speak Norwegian, but that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Just say, Betty, you know, that makes sense. Would you just turn to the person next to you and make sure you say Betty. Okay, say Betty. Okay. Even though her name is Hazel, just say Betty, you know. Okay. Now, this week, I want you to schlop off. And today, let it be the beginning of schlop offing. Okay. And... Uh, of course, it's Labor Day, and it's part of the <laughs> almost filled it. It's part of the uh, part of the whole weekend of la- rest from your labors, and on and on it goes. But uh, I want you to slop off, relax. Now I've heard so many pastors say watching TV is a complete waste of time, and, and you know I've said that over the years many times. I've said it so many times, and I don't say that necessarily. You know, you can waste time watching TV for sure. You can absolutely, and I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I there was a time and a place to relax watching TV, and there's a time and place where you, it's too much. Would you agree with that? You know, but I went through a whole phase where I just I was so religiously against watching any TV. It's embarrassing now. I look back at the time. And, you know, the, the Waltons and da-da-da. I missed a whole phase of, you know, whole shows that came and went. And I didn't even know. I, I, was, I didn't have a TV, da-da-da. And maybe that was what the Lord has done in my life. Maybe I was really hearing the Lord clearly. But I, I, I did not watch any TV. The whole, you know, two or three years I was in Bible school, for example, and so on. And I, I was kind of religious about it. It's kind of prideful. I don't watch any TV. You know. And uh, since then, I've, you know, I, I have a different attitude and on it goes. But I would say, you know, maybe you ought to watch a little TV. Maybe you ought to get some DVDs you appreciate. And, you know, I, I don't know what it would come down to, but uh, maybe you ought, to, you ought to do some stuff. Maybe you ought to go to the beach and just walk along and, and take your shoes off and rub the, the sand in your feet. Maybe you ought to go on the grass and walk along and, and just kind of feel the, the grass underneath you. If you play the guitar, maybe you ought to play the guitar more often and just do some worship songs. Maybe you ought to walk around the house and turn up, uh, uh, you know, some, some music. You know, maybe you ought to turn up uh, the Journey song real loud, Don't Stop Believing," and play it, you know, you know, real loud over and over, and, you know, in a loop. That's the most downloaded iTunes song. Did you know that? It is. The most by a long shot, Don't Stop Believing." That's a pretty Christian song. Wouldn't you agree? Don't Stop Believing." Okay, you didn't realize that probably. But... Uh, Here's a picture for you, too. Last thing. Take a risk. 
Went to Burning Man a few years ago. Some of you probably never heard of it. It's a big pagan festival. Brought 30,000 bottles of water. Gave one bottle, theoretically, to every single person at Burning Man. Became friends with Larry Harvey, the guy who started it. One of our guys became on the board of directors for Burning Man, one of our pastors. That's the Lord. Would you agree? When you're actually asked to be on the board of directors. He likes me. He likes our other pastors. And uh, I tell you, if you're a pastor and you have a spirit of religion in you, it will be beaten out of you in about 30 seconds when you pull into Burning Man. Uh, we didn't see, by the way, any sexual stuff. We didn't see any, any drug taking. It was amazing. Some people would say, Burning Man, you know, and if you are familiar with the whole thing, it is very pagan, but we didn't see anything overtly like that at all. If you look it up online, um, you'll probably say we're praying for Steve now. But we went there specifically to do two things. One is to give away lots of bottles of water. We gave it away. You, you are not allowed to sell anything at Burning Man. They call it a free economy there. You cannot sell. You can only trade or give for free things away. They loved us because, you know, we're all about kindness. We're all about showing God's love in a practical way. And that, that kind of blew them away because they're all used to two versions of Christianity. This you better behave, and this, can you give us some money? When we didn't do this, and we didn't do this, they said, so why are you here? We said, because we're trying to lose a lot of money. We, we, we lost about $40,000, $50,000 to ship the, the water out there. We bought it in Reno. It was kind of complicated. We bought it in Reno. We shipped it out there, and all the gas and the trouble and so forth. Brought about five pastors and about 30, I'm sorry, about 15 other guys to help along. Kind of cool, would you agree? Why did you do this? Because loving people to show Jesus' love is expensive. Uh, I never thought of that before. And uh, saw lots of people weeping, da-da-da. I have the website kindness.com. We put up there a whole special part of it. You know, if you were touched at Burning Man, da 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 da, da. And so lot, here's kind of the picture here. They play uh, 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 trans. That's a time of, uh, you know, uh, music that... Uh, Super loud electronic music. They play it all 24 hours a day. You have to wear earplugs uh, during the day and at night for sure because you can't get any sleep if you don't do that. But uh, we went out and did that. We had the water giveaway. Secondly, we did biblical dream interpretation. Doug Addison taught us. Some of you guys know Doug. He lives in Santa Monica now. And uh, we, we learned, there, there were two common dreams he taught us how to do it. One of them was uh, vampires and zombies chasing people. And uh, that's kind of funny, wouldn't you agree? And we said, uh, our, our interpretation based on what he said was, you're not so much being chased by the bad things, you're running toward the destiny of God for you. Isn't that cool? And so we said to people, you're running toward the destiny of God for you. And they said, uh, never thought of that. So we'd pray for him for 10 seconds. You know, God, we bless so-and-so with the destiny you have for them that they would begin to realize and see what you have for them. Amen. And then the other most common dream was, guess what? Would you show the last picture here? I think there's another one, and then, yeah, right here. Is that now, get this, the second most common dream. Sometimes two people in a row who didn't know each other would have the same dream. Get this. I have this dream. I've had it for a long time now. Where I keep seeing this man standing before me who is white, glowing, uh, kind of like robes on. I get, I get um, a little bit emotional when I tell this dream, but... Um, I always get, hmm. Um, and he says to me, night, night after night, he has his arms stretched out, and he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. They have this dream. Is that amazing or what? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Oh, my word. God is going out of his way to tech, connect with people. Would you agree? Oh, my word, oh, my word, oh, my word, oh, my word. We show them right there in Scripture. I think it's in Matthew. Would you read this? And they go, oh, blank. <laughs> I guess God's chasing after me. Some people right on the spot said, what do I do now? We said, why don't you pray this prayer? Other people just planted a seed in them. You know there's different sized seeds, don't you? There's like, uh, there's like teeny, teeny little seeds, uh, mustard seeds, Jesus said. You, you blow, you breathe on them, they go flying. Then there's avocado seeds. <laughs> oh, my word. Some of those were avocado seeds we planted in people. And they were just, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you say about that? An avocado seed. They went their way, and they're, they're just buzzing. They had the, the electricity from top to bottom, top to bottom, top to bottom. 
And uh, so the, the, the kindness of God that leads to repentance began to move in, in their lives too. Um, hey, this week, why don't we just do this? If you didn't hear me say anything else today, if nothing else connected, why don't you hear this? Is that we need to open our hearts, let the wind blows where it wishes on the trees. And in the middle of that, let's open our hearts to taking a teeny weeny, teeny weeny little risk. And I know that it takes a little bit of guts, but even with, the, well, let's start with the people around us that are already believers, saying, would you let me pray for you for 10 seconds? Let's start there. And later on, we'll graduate to some more people that don't know the Lord maybe, but and if you really feel like it, maybe pray for somebody who doesn't know the Lord to say, hey, how about if I pray? Don't say may I, because that's easier to say no to, but say, how about if I? And then I, I guarantee, not guarantee I, I would guess that most people will say, sure, just take a risk. Some people you know, people that already know the Lord. Hey, let's pray together. Um, let's bow our heads and just, just pray. You know, I, I saw this picture. I've seen it many times. It always touches me. I, I think it may be more Catholic than anything, but, man, those guys really get it sometimes better than we do that are Protestants. It, it's a picture of the burning heart of Jesus where he, he pulls his heart apart, and it's just a, a lit heart. And, and so, Lord, we, we pray that you would light our hearts, that you would ignite us, that you would be the one who not only blows in the leaves as your spirit moves, but you would blow and ignite our hearts. We say, Lord, I, I say to you, would you say to the Lord in your own, your own words, Lord, ignite my heart. Lord, ignite my heart. Give me courage to do what I cannot, I cannot manufacture on my own. Growth by accident, death by committee. Lord, we want to grow by accident. Lord, ignite my heart. Do what I could never in my entire lifetime do on my own. Blow in my heart, Lord. Let the, let the wind and the Spirit blow in my heart. I say to you, Lord. In fact, let's say it together. Here I am. Would you say it with me? Here I am, Lord. Let's say it again. Here I am. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. Well, like I said, I, I hope you understand that we are in for a great next season in our church. And it's going to be fun to, to look back and, and uh, realize that I get to be a part of it. I'm going to ask the uh, ushers to come to the front, the people taking the offering. If it's your first time with us, it's good to have you here today. We do hope that you feel loved and welcomed and cared for. And um, uh, it's just an honor to get to have you with us. If you complete that little tear-off on the bulletin and drop it in the offering basket now, um, I'll uh, send you a special gift this week just to say thanks for being with us. We're really glad you were here. Glad you were here. So, Father, this morning as we return to you, God, the, the tithes and the offerings, Father, a, a gift to say thank you, Lord, for, for not, not to buy you off, but, Lord, to express a heart of gratitude heart of concern for those who really haven't had that real encounter with you yet. God, that this, this, this church will be that light in a dark place. We, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Father, do, we do return to you. We give back to you with gratefulness. We, we thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you give back to the Lord this morning.